Hi everyone, happy Freaky Friday and welcome to Shivers. I am Gina Grossbauer, your curator for all things spooky. Today is our first Halloween haunt review and we're starting with a banger, Halloween Horror Nights. Halloween Horror Nights began at Universal Studios Florida in 1991 under the title of Fright Nights. It began as a three-night event from October 25th, 26th, and 31st in 1991 with only one haunted house titled The Dungeon of Terror. The first year, the admission price was only $12.95. As it stands today in 2022, the admission price is $85. Halloween Horror Nights as known today officially launched at Universal Studios Hollywood in October 9th, 1997, running through the year 2000. From 2001 until 2005, Halloween Horror Nights went on a break at Universal Studios Hollywood and returned in 2006 and has continued yearly since in both Hollywood and Florida. This year, in 2022, was their 31st season, and they have the number 31 hidden in each haunted house and on display in lights for everyone to see. I was able to do a behind-the-screams tour for Halloween Horror Nights and got the opportunity to see six of the ten houses during the day. We saw everything from how the lights and sounds operate all the way through to how the actors can pop up into a room undetected. Today, we're going to talk about each of these six houses, how their details and artistry held up during the day and night, and what the final results were. The first house that we were able to see is called Legends Collide. This is basically a battle between Wolfman, Dracula, and Mummy, three very classic characters in the Universal world, understanding through the haunted house that they are battling for some sort of an amulet that helps them control the sun and the moon. Basically, Wolfman wants it to never be a full moon so he doesn't turn into a werewolf. Dracula always wants it to be nighttime so that he can be a, drac a vampire. And the mummy doesn't necessarily care. So all of these three characters are battling for this amulet basically to have control of the sky. And every single time that you go through this haunted house, there's a different winner. So you're always getting something different within, within this haunt. During the day, we were able to see how the different characters pop up, how they decide what who is the winner and what character wins. And it was just a really cool classic haunted house to walk through. It had everything from the dusty side of desert where the mummy would be all the way through to this castle-like setting for Dracula. So it really encompassed a lot of different architectures inside one just warehouse, which was really cool. The second house we were able to see during the day was called Descendants of Destruction. This was all about an apocalypse in New York City and what would really happen if that came true. So as soon as you walk in, you're going to have this really dilapidated subway area. So it's super cool. Inside the haunted house, they had a whole bunch of junk kind of look like from a yard sale, but they have somebody who's actually full-time job is to go out and buy props for Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, talk about a perfect job. Um, but they were able to go to different thrift stores and flea markets and yard sales to get all of this stuff. And you can see during the day how much detail is really put into it because each one of these items was handpicked by this person. Also, as you continue moving back into the initial walkthrough of the home, the haunted house, you see half of an actual subway car and on either side they have full wall mirrors so it just looks to the naked eye like it's a full subway but it's amazing how they did it because you don't see yourself in the mirror so you're able to just look side to side and see a continued subway even though it's just partial so 
the idea of this house is that as soon as you walk in, you have these kind of dilapidated people that are living in the subways during the apocalypse. As you get further and further into the house, it gets more macabre and disturbing. So the next round of people that you see are these cannibals that are living deeper in the tunnels, deeper in the areas. They have a man standing behind a fake grill. They were able to put foam underneath the grates of a grill, put a hole in them, feed red string lights through the grill and make it look as if it's hot burning coals. They also said that they partnered with someone who has specifically smelling fogs. And so when you walk into this room where the grill is, it's all foggy like a normal haunted house, but it smells like meat and it's the smell that's pumped in through the fog. So details like that are really cool. Um, As you continue through the house, you get to the last group of people, which are supposed to be these people that are exposed to radiation from being too deep into the caves and the tunnels. And they're kind of just these morphed human creature monster things. So you get to get out of the haunted house seeing all types of humans and what you may become in the apocalypse. So the next house was by far my favorite to see during the day. It's a house called Bugs Eaten Alive. This is one that I was unfortunately not able to see at night, but it was really cool because the whole idea behind it is this 1950s um, production. So the idea is that you have someone who made this product in 1950s. It's an air conditioner that has something inside of it that just kills all bugs. So you never need a Terminator, Terminator, <laughs> a exterminator ever again to come into your house and kill all the bugs. You can just kind of put this into your air conditioning and all the bugs will die. So basically this is the product review. It's a whole event to show you what this air conditioner can do. But instead of killing all the bugs, it is attracting bugs by whatever is inside of it. So there are 37,000 fake bugs just glued onto walls and created in this house. And during the day, you're able to see all these 1950s style mannequins and wallpapers and uh, sayings and phrases on the walls that are all have to do with bugs. And so when you walk in, it's this normal 1950s wallpaper. It just has a couple of bubbles and lines on it. But they actually made it specifically for this house so that it was looks like a spider. So details like that are super cool. Um, as you continue through this specific haunted house on the walls, because it's supposed to be like a mock production event, it says like in the kitchen, something along the lines of um, don't let roaches spoil your dinner. And then the entire kitchen is infested with cockroaches. Um, as you get into the bedroom, it says don't let the bug- bed bugs bite. And the entire bed and the mannequin that's laying on the bed is just covered in fake bed bugs. And then as you get towards the end of the house, there's this huge spider and an entire spider spider web walkthrough. It's really cool how they did it. I'm, I am halfway bummed that I didn't get to see it at night, but I'm also a little relieved because I don't know if I could really handle how real the bugs would feel just crawling around. They had fishing wire strung from the ceiling at different levels. So it felt like gnats were hitting your face and you can't see the fishing wire at night with the lights off. So it's just a really cool way to, to make all of that come, come together. Um, the next one that we saw during the day was a Blumhouse haunted house. So this is actually sponsored by Blumhouse, the production company that makes a lot of horror movies and the movies that they were highlighting this year 
they had a specific one dedicated to Michael Myers, but the one that we were able to go through specifically was focused on the movie Freaky and the movie The Black Phone. So both of those houses were all were just one house together. And going through the Freaky set, it just looked exactly like the movie and nothing too off the wall. But going into the Black Phone area, it was absolutely just masterfully done. They had a mattress on the ground, just like in the movie. And they had a bunch of missing kid posters as soon as you walk in. So for those of you who have seen the Black Phone movie, as soon as the movie starts, you see all these missing kid posters from the 1970s. This man, the grabber, is kidnapping these children and killing them. And these missing kid posters are kind of stacked on top of one another. But they all look exactly the same, very 1970s vibe. So because all of those kids in the movie are specific characters, they couldn't necessarily get the trademark or whatever it may be to get the actual photos from the movie. So all of the missing kid posters that they had were actually kid pictures of everyone on their creative team. So again, details like that are really cool. And you wouldn't necessarily know that just walking through a haunted house unless maybe you knew one of the people on the creative team. So that was really a, an interesting house to see and the attention to detail that matches the movie. You can't really make that up. So it's very cool. The next one that we saw was absolutely the most gorgeous haunted house I have ever seen in my entire life. It's called Dead Man's Pier. When reading about it online, it wasn't even one that was really on my radar. You know, haunted sailor town doesn't necessarily bring chills to my arms, but it was just so so beautiful. So basically, this entire haunted house has a story. This story is that there was a group of sailors who found themselves in this town, colonized it, made a home there, and the captain's wife decided to learn how to play violin, played music for the entire town, and one day the captain and all of his sailors were able to go out on an expedition and they never returned. So this drove the woman mad. And she sat on the shoreline every day and played her violin in hopes that her husband and family and neighbors would come back. They never did. And she eventually died. And then the town itself was just decaying because no one lived there anymore. And so when you walk into this haunted house, there is a sculpture of her as the center of the town fountain type thing. Um, everything is all gray and blue. And it's supposed to be that we are stumbling upon this town in the middle of winter. So it's also the coldest haunted house that they have. They just blast the air conditioning. So it kind of feels like you're in a little bit of a wintry town. And as you go through it, there is an actual lighthouse in the middle of this building that you can see from everywhere that you are in the haunted house. And as you go through, the first place that you'll see is this bar. It's supposed to just be like a little bit of a pub. And on a cork board next to the bar itself, uh, fully stock bar, by the way. Um, but the there's a little bit of a cork board that's right next to the bar. And there's post-it notes on this cork board. And they have a whole bunch of different Easter eggs that allude to shark movies, including Jaws. So again, things like that are really details are unmatched. Um, as you continue through this haunted house, they have a little bit of a, a little rowboat with a dead mannequin in it, just apparently someone who made it to shore and just didn't survive in the winter uh, and then they have an actual huge boat in the middle of this building and while you go through this haunt at night you're able to hear the woman playing a violin so it's very ghosty very 
gothic, very spooky. And when you get to the actual big boat, the woman is standing on the edge of the boat playing her violin. And as you get close to her, she then screams as if she's kind of this banshee, just upset that no one returned. So that was Dead Man's Pier. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then the last one that we saw during the day was called Hellblock Horror. This haunted house they put together in three weeks. They were supposed to have an Evil Dead house to represent the Evil Dead movie coming out. But the movie is now pushed to next year. So that haunted house is now pushed to next year. So there is one haunted house next year that is confirmed and that is Evil Dead. So because they pushed the movie, they had to push the haunted house. And so they had to come up with a kind of a last minute haunted house. So they came up with Hellblock Horror. This is a nuclear prison. So there's monsters in there. There's zombies. It's a little bit too sci-fi fantastical for my liking, but it's something different. Very gory. A lot of blood on the walls. They have these like radioactive signs and they have different languages based on what type of language the monsters would speak if they were real. So things like that were just fun to see. It was a very creative way of going through this haunted house. So during the day, we were able to see all of these with the lights on. It was really beautiful, really great way to just see how everything worked. Then we had to leave and come back at night to go through the actual Halloween horror nights. So unfortunately, it was pouring raining. So we didn't get to see all of the houses that we wanted to. However, the ones that we did see were awesome. So we did see the Dead Man's Fear, which is one that I was just talking about. We did see Descendants of Destruction. This one was the subway one with the apocalypse. So same thing, really great opportunity to see it during the day and at night. Very cool art artistry, very cool attention to detail with the smells and the lights and the fog and um, the makeup too, that kind of some some makeups were able to glow in black light and in the in the dark. Another house that we were able to see at night that we weren't able to see during the day was Chupacabra. And this was very Hispanic town, a little bit of a Day of the Dead vibe, but more focused on the folklore of Chupacabra. So each of the actors that were in this house had a mask of a Chupacabra on. Uh, chupacabra is a like wolf dog type combination. So it was very loud. You heard the dogs barking. You heard some screaming as if a person was getting eaten by a chupacabra. And it was just very fun. Uh, they had a lot of the like salsa type branding on the walls and very colorful, very fiesta environment. And it was just very pretty, very pretty haunted house to see at night and really fun to see all of the different characters within the the actors, I should say, with the Chupacabra masks on. So that was a really cute one. And the absolute golden star goes to the last haunted house that we were able to see, which was The Weeknd. So for those of you that don't know, The Weeknd, the band, the man, the singer, wanted to create a haunted house. And so he specifically reached out to Universal and asked if he could be featured in Halloween Horror Nights. They said absolutely, and they let him run with it. So you are not allowed to bring your cell phone into the haunted house at night, not allowed to see it during the day. Basically, his rules are if you are coming to Halloween Horror Nights and you can experience my haunted house, then you get to see it. And uh, I thought that was a little bit arrogant until I went through it. 
And now I can have that arrogance tied to myself as well, that I'm one of the people who saw it. Um, but it's just absolutely stunning. So during the wait time for that, we were able to listen to all the weekend songs before we even got into the haunted house. So it was very much a concert feel, very much a collective feel. And it was just fun waiting in line for that. And once we got in, it was all about the lighting. All the lights were on and it was just amazing. So as soon as you walk in, there's a wax figure of the weekend on a chair with a bunch of plugs into his body going to TVs that all had really weird things on them and flashing on the screens. Um, you go into the next room and you see the shadow of a woman and a shadow of a man and he gets his head cut off by an axe from her. So this whole haunted house kind of seemed to have a story as you walked through it, which was nice to be able to play out as opposed to doing research and trying to figure out what the story of the haunted house was. So uh, so you have the weekend as someone who's getting plugged into, has all of these maybe creative and interesting ideas from TV, from entertainment, and is in love with a woman and gets his head caught off by her. So losing your soul to a bad relationship or a toxic relationship. And then going into the next room is him performing for a bunch of people that are just distracted, not paying attention. The next room that we go into is this bathroom that is covered in blood. Uh, with an actor with all of these bandages on her face and blood underneath it, carving up this person on a gurney. And so basically it's just like plastic surgery going on in a very gross atmosphere. And then the next room that we go through is this mirror maze and it says greed and vices and um, those types of words on the walls and these flashing lights. And above the door to the next room is the 777 jackpot spinning so it's as if it's like we are either creating our own luck or seeing where we kind of get lucky so we go into the next room and it's a an actor on a stage with the weekend's face but his face is totally warped and he is performing for all of these mannequins that have masquerade masks on and so he leans down and kind of jumps into the, the audience and that's where the scare comes in but just so so beautifully done that he's performing for these sort of no-name people or exclusive people. And then we get to the end and he is plastic and bandaged up, all just running at us. And the very last room is him in a coffin with just one TV plugged into him. So even dying with his ideas. And that's it. So that haunted house, I cannot rave enough about. It was so beautifully done. We see the story of maybe the fears of fame or what it takes to be famous. You need to lose your soul or wait until you get into a bad relationship and what happens when you do sell your soul to something else. And just the artistry behind it was absolutely incredible. I cannot say enough good things about it. So that was the, the last house that we were able to see at night. It was a really cool opportunity to see all those houses during the day and at night and how they really all play together. So Going on a scale of one to five, rating different categories for Halloween Horror Nights as a whole, not just these individual houses. If it was based on individual houses, 10 out of 10, <laughs> five out of five for the weekend. But for Halloween Horror Nights itself, as the event, as the production, for artistry, I absolutely give it a five out of five. I think the attention to details is beautiful and great. The production itself, I give it a five out of five. 
all of the ways that they are able to maneuver people to come in and out just smoothly is great. The lines that they have for each haunted house, while they are long, they make a lot of sense. You're never really smushed up against anybody. You're never standing in an uncomfortable position, whatever it may be. Everything is very, from a production perspective, done very well. The customer service aspect of it, our tour guide was amazing. Everyone that we were able to come across was absolutely amazing. And so I would absolutely give that a five out of five. For the environment, because it was pouring, raining, and it was truly impacting the event itself, they have scare zones in the middle of the street. And some of them were just not even working, not even running because it was raining. Um, They have food stands that you're able to go to and drinks that you're able to get. They're all Halloween themed and some of those weren't open because of the rain. So for the environment, I would give it a four out of five. I think they could have been a little bit more prepared for rain, especially being in Florida, hurricanes and all of that. They should be a little bit more readily available and prepared for rainy events. Um, For decor, I will also give that a four out of five. I do appreciate the attention to detail. However, going through it during the day with the lights off and seeing all those details and seeing the flea market items and seeing the details of Jaws on the cork board was amazing. But because these houses are so dark at nighttime, you don't see any of that. So I think that the, I mean, the effort is absolutely 100% there. But I think that the attention to detail for things like that could have been a little bit better. And everyone who comes to that event at night should have the opportunity to see those things, just light them up and, and make them a little bit more visible. So four out of four or five for decor. For makeup and costumes, I would give it a three out of five. There wasn't any character that was scary. There wasn't any character at all that really stuck in my mind. A lot of people had masks on or the makeup was just pretty simple. I think that's truly because the event itself really was more of the production than the people. However, I think that if you're going to have that many people in houses and walking around and in the scare zones, they should be a little bit scarier or more impactful to look at rather than just kind of throwing a mask on somebody. So three out of five for costumes and makeup. And the last section would be scares. How scary is Halloween Horror Nights? I went into Halloween Horror Nights expecting that I was going to get drugged through the street by a man with a chainsaw. I thought that this was supposed to be the scariest event of all Halloween. And it was one of the most family-friendly haunted attractions that I have ever been to. Uh, I've been to Dorney Park Halloween Haunts and Hershey Park Halloween Haunts. And these are theme parks that are all dressed up for Halloween. And those were 10 times scarier than Universal Studios, which is dresses up pretty much the entire park of Universal. And so... I wasn't scared at all. And going through the haunted houses as well, nobody really says anything. They all just jump out and go, rah. No one says like, you're going to die tonight or you better run. There's no words. There's no phrases. There's no cursing at you. There's no nothing. So from a scary perspective, I give it a one out of five. There were some bloody scenes within different haunted houses. So if blood's not your thing, then I could see that being a little scary, but Everything from an artistry perspective and a production perspective was really where they shine, not necessarily scaring the pants off of people. So overall, adding all those up and just getting the average, taking it back to middle school algebra, our total is a 3.8 out of 5. 
absolutely not to shit on Halloween Horror Nights whatsoever. I just expected the scares, but got theatrics instead. Each year is different, though, so stay tuned for next year. I absolutely would go back and see what they, they bring to the table. I would highly, highly, highly recommend doing the Behind the Screams tours. Uh, our, our tour guide was amazing. He was a previous scare actor, so he was able to give a lot of perspective into what it really takes to be an actor in these types of things and how what customers you are able to come across and how many drunk people really go, which is surprising to me. So our next review is a hometown favorite, which will be posted this upcoming Monday for our first ever Monstrous Monday. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to the review of Halloween Horror Nights. I certainly hope I didn't dampen your view on Halloween Horror Nights, but rather gave you a new perspective that you can bring even your most scared friend and everyone can appreciate it. So thank you all so much for listening. I truly appreciate it and hope you have a fabulous freaky Friday and wonderful weekend.